welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Back here on the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast, Barton Simmons there, Chip Patterson here. We finally made it home after our time in Fort Lauderdale. And if you have not gone back to look at and listen to, and you can't look at a podcast, but if you listen to the uh, the win totals locks with Barton Simmons, Tom Fernelli, and myself, then you absolutely should. Barton, I think I said look at because I immediately was transported back to the Thunderdome of the three of us having to put our picks on the table, standing just or sitting just feet away from each other. It really added to the intensity and intimacy of the conversation. It was, you know, then there weren't as many disagreements, honestly, as I thought there would be. So in some ways, the Thunderdome disappointed in terms of the conflict that was supposed to arise. But in terms of the the better, in terms of the moneymaker, um, if you listen there, there, there was a good bit of consensus. I feel like everyone sort of liked everyone else's picks. So perhaps we found some some value there out there in the in the betting sphere yeah i think that we had three or four picks three picks i think that uh received actual locks from either a, a barton and tom a tom and chip or a barton and chip and uh, no lock fights unfortunately we had a close got a couple uh, close lock fights couple lock lock uh lock scraps or something but <laughs> yes uh but it was, it was a good stuff it was good time but uh Heck of a time to be traveling on the way back as what started with uh, Breck McMurphy's uh, reporting around Big Ten media days regarding Zach Smith. Zach Smith gets dismissed from Ohio State. Um, and then Brett McMurphy continues to report. He, he Courtney Smith, Zach Smith's ex-wife, speaks in an interview with Stadium. Uh, there are the reporting from McMurphy has included text messages between Courtney Smith and Shelly Meyer, Urban Meyer's wife. They've included photos that had been sent on group chats. Um, you know, I I am, and then then on Friday. Urban Meyer uh, releases a statement. Uh, we get a Zach Smith interview with ESPN on SportsCenter where they are getting their side of the story. I, I am, in this case, Barton, a little bit thankful as as someone who's been put in a position of creating takes and and breaking, synthesizing information and trying to make it, um, it you know packaged in a way that is going to be consumed by the college football fan. I'm glad that we've had a little bit of distance to look at this because the different twists and turns dating back to Big Ten Media Days, where you were at um, all the way to now, I feel like what, you know, we might have gone from, you know, this was Urban Meyer leading a story to make it seem like, you know, this this was all something that was put in the past um, all the way to now. Like, I feel like we've, we've oscillated on four different lands between what the path is on on where this ends up like i how how have you sort of changed your own mind as the different twists and turns of this story have gone down over the last couple of weeks well I, when when we were coming back from fort lauderdale like you said all this stuff was dropping literally like while we were on the plane or I, while i was on the plane while i was traveling and i landed in nashville and got hit up from cbs hey can you come on do an hq hit I was like, yeah, sure, of course. 
but like it was a little bit of a nightmare because I had to sort of try to digest this and spit out an opinion on how this would play out while it, while there it, there was just there's just so many moving parts that even now almost a week removed and two weeks removed from the initial Brett McMurphy reports uh, it's it's still a very it's hard to sort of grasp what exactly the culpability here is should be what what who knows what when it's there's a lot to 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 really I think digest and so yeah you're right like I, it took I took some time really to sort of sit down and make sure I understood the timeline of things where we stand right now and and of course where we do stand right now is Urban Meyer's on an administrative leave and his job is in jeopardy and and being and, and hanging in the balance and I think the the more recent reports indicate that perhaps even Gene Smith's job could be hanging in the balance. The athletic director at Ohio State. Um, so I think, like, I guess maybe where I'd start on this is, do you think Urban Meyer will survive this? Like, and we could get into what you, whether you think he should or, but I I, no, I've, I'm, gone back I'm, and, I've gone back and forth on this even right. to where I thought he would survive it initially. I thought as the week last week progressed, I thought he would not. And now I'm back to feeling like I feel like I have growing confidence that Urban Meyer will remain the head coach at Ohio State. Wow. I'm not ready to go that far because the door that I've seen – that uh, that I was willing. To, this was a door that I was willing to leave open, even at my most, even when I was at the highest amount of confidence that Urban Meyer had likely coached his last game for Ohio State, which was prior to his statement on Friday. Um, I I think that the investigation will not create results that will make anybody happy. I think they will be ambiguous. And I think that they will leave a lot of flexibility with Urban Meyer and Ohio State in terms of really everybody's going to say, um, well, we didn't, you know, we made a few mistakes here and there, but we didn't make any big enough mistakes. And that's where I could see uh, an Urban Meyer, you know, if, if Urban Meyer's given an option where he resigns, but he does not receive any blame, official blame in writing for anything regarding the handling of allegations against Zach Smith. And as long as he is not singled out to be the bad guy who didn't pick up the phone when he should have picked up the phone, which is like, really, that's that's kind of what I, I sum this down to is like, do you believe that Urban Meyer um, messed up by not reporting what he knew about Zach Smith and domestic violence allegations. If if that's what it comes down to, and then it's, is it a, a school violation? Um, you know, is it an ethical violation? Is it a moral violation? Like I think that if urban Meyer is given an option where he is not cited for a title nine violation at the school level, where he is not cited for any major errors within this investigation, but instead it's just left to the, jury of public opinion on a moral ethical issue if he can get out of this without receiving any official blame then i think that that's a path that could be likely and that might mean having to resign from ohio state um but it but it might be 
a situation that allows him at the age of 54 to continue his college football coaching career. Because you can argue that even if the investigation finds no wrongdoing and he returns to the sideline and he's there in week one, the the nature of these allegations are going to have every single investigative journalist doing everything they can to to pull on every string to see what might else be going on within the Ohio State football program. And I think that for that reason, you could argue that whether or not there is culpability, Urban Meyer, his presence with the Ohio State football program creates an issue that includes distraction that makes him not able to lead the football program to the best of his abilities. Right. But here's, I think, two important points. One, I don't think Urban Meyer is going to go down without a fight. Like Urban Meyer is not going to say, yeah, you know what? You're right. I I, I could have handled this a little better. Uh, thanks for everything, Ohio State. I'll, I'll, I'll walk away. Like that, I, I don't see that happening. Because I don't, I think Urban Meyer is is more stubborn than that, more prideful than that, more. I mean, he's he's been a very holier than thou persona throughout his career in a lot of ways. I don't see that being the way this plays out. So then you get to all right, does will Ohio State have the ability to fire him with cause? And I think the fact that Gene Smith, the athletic director, knew about the the 2015 incident, which according to Zach Smith in an interview, he did because Gene Smith was the one that called Zach Smith, brought him in from the road to discuss allegations. Now, those Gene Smith found out about those allegations from the police, not Urban Meyer, so that doesn't necessarily get Urban Meyer off the hook, but I don't think Urban Meyer knew about those either at that time. So, if, if Urban Meyer is gone, if Urban Meyer gets fired, then what does that mean for Gene Smith? Like, if does that mean Gene Smith is also on the hook? Now, I think where it, gets, where it gets tricky then is, all right, what's the timeline of all those texts that were coming into Shelly Meyer about the, you know, the hell that Courtney Smith was, was in? Can Urban Meyer prove that he didn't know about those text messages? And does that create a new, a new sort of, burden of on on urban meyer that he should have acted following that 2015 incident so where i'm at is based on what we actually know and you know this investigation which is going to be what 14 days basically yeah by the end of the month we should so we, we should, should have by the end something of the month, you know we'll see what that uncovers but based on what is what is available to us. It appears to me that urban Meyer has cover in this, in terms of now, like that doesn't mean that he's going to get out of this scot free and, and that there won't be sort of this moral condemnation on him. But in terms of what Ohio state can do without losing a ton of money, I'm not sure that what we are, are privy to can allow that move to be made by Ohio State. And I think the other side of this too is, and I've said this before, this isn't a situation where Ohio State is as, or sort of fit, sick of Urban Meyer's crap and they're looking for a reason to get rid of him. Urban Meyer is 
you know, remember when Gene Smith, when Jim Tressel was the head coach and Jim Tressel got in a little trouble and initially Gene Smith said, or no, it wasn't even Gene Smith. It was uh, Gordon, Gordon Gee. Gee. Yeah, it was the president. He's, yeah, he said, I'll be lucky if, if Jim Tressel doesn't fire me. It's like that is what, the, you know, and I think Urban Meyer is probably even a step up from Jim Tressel in terms of what he sort of brings to the program, the the career arc he's on, the trajectory of the program, and what he's done in a really constructive way in terms of player development, off-field, you know, hadn't been a lot of off-field issues, uh, life after football, real-life Wednesday stuff that they're that they're they're instituting within that program. So Ohio State would love for this to come for for them to be able to clear his name and be able to continue operating with Urban Meyer as the head coach. So they're not looking for a Jim McElwain excuse to fire the guy. They're looking for an excuse to keep him. Yeah. And I think that I think that they'll they they will conceivably find that excuse to keep him. Now, I, I also think the flip side of this is, look, I think Urban Meyer's legacy is forever scarred. Mm-hmm. Now, whether that whether that scar will kind of fade away if he gets back into the – if he becomes a head coach again and is wins a bunch of games and people just sort of forget about it, I don't know. But I think this will be ever, forever be a footnote on his resume because here's the reality – is he did know that something happened in 2015, or at least there was an allegation of something happening in 2015. And he probably knew that there was other troubling things going on within that the relationship after that, given what we've seen Shelly Meyer um, receiving in text messages. And it's pretty clear, in fact, it's very clear, that Zach Smith is a turd. And he had this guy on his coaching staff for six years and he had, in fact, he had three off seasons after that 2015 allegation. And remember, this is in addition to 2009 allegation. But after that 2015 allegation, he had three off seasons to unload him. And look, he's just—I don't think you can argue that Zach Smith isn't a pos. Like, oh, and that's been one of the that's been one of the most fascinating things to come out of this has been reporters from around Columbus who have said uh, as much regarding Zach Smith. And, um, you know, they're just the idea that this this guy was protected because he was uh, the grandson of a former Ohio State coach, particularly a former Ohio State coach who gave Urban Meyer his first job as a grad assistant. Yep. Um, you know, that, that as we've seen in companies in schools in football programs and organizations that there was a little bit of well this this guy's got the royal bloodline so he is afforded extra chances and he is treated differently than everybody else and one of and i I love the way you said it it's the footnote and a footnote of urban meyer's um legacy will forever be that he overextended his loyalty uh to somebody who did not repay him in any way. And he, like and you mentioned this I think in Fort Lauderdale, but or maybe it was on a, on the podcast right after the news broke. Like show me show me the on-field product that suggests that Ohio State has gotten elite coaching at the wide receiver level. Right. Like, yeah. like this this was a coach who brought off-field 
um, like like nine different visits from local police to the house on a domestic call, um, allegations multiple times across a span of nine years, and and you're going to continue to stand by this guy even when there have been plenty of reasons to criticize the literally the job he is doing, like whether it's on field or off field, there seem to be zero high marks. But because of an issue of loyalty, Urban Meyer was standing by this guy, and that's going to be the thing that, if it doesn't do him in, will always be a part of his legacy. I mean, he was he was the lowest played coach on Ohio State staff. He's he that they've never had consistent development the wide receiver position, and. It's very obvious that like whether you whether you believe that because look he hasn't been convicted or even charged with domestic violence but whether you believe that that domestic violence took place or not and there's plenty of text messages that make it hard to believe it didn't uh, in addition to the pictures but again you like you know that the guy is a turd just based on look he was cheating on his wife he was he had drinking issues he's he's had he's clearly been a source of drama within the programs that he's been around and urban meyer made active decisions to keep him and again made active decisions to keep him with three off seasons to unload him you know that's not in counting prior to 2012 when he hired him initially like he had I guess technically he had six off seasons to unload him but three off seasons since 2015 to get rid of him and he didn't and and so I just think that that decision to like have loyalty to a mentor in Earl Bruce and his grandson is gonna bite him and, and ultimately like that was a tough decision that Urban Meyer wasn't able to make was look coach Bruce your grandson's not cutting it. Like we need him to be some. We, you know, this isn't going to work. And and he wasn't willing to have that conversation. It appears like this is all. I mean, it's hard to make cast these judgments on people from from the outside looking in. But like to me, that seems like a very cut and dry. Like it's hard to find anyone that says Zach Smith is an upstanding guy and that he's a great coach. And and yet he's been a mainstay on Ohio State staff when there's been turnover in other places. All right. Um, I'm glad you mentioned Jim Trestle because I want to bring this up. Dan Wetzel did a good job of of actually returning because uh, a, a very an, a throwaway, a throwaway line I've heard in a lot of analysis has been, you know, Ohio State got rid of Jim Trestle, so they're not going to be afraid to get rid of Urban Meyer. And that is where you need to go back to the way – that the end of Jim Trestle's career went, which included the fact that the first, um, the first NCAA NCAA violations were found. Like Jim Trestle was found to be um, in violation of NCAA bylaws. His first punishment was a two-game suspension. Jim right. Tre- Jim Trestle then asked so that to have a five-game suspension so that it would match his players. Like, that was going to be the honorable thing for Jim Trussell to do to get a five-game suspension. It wasn't until more reporting was done on the Ohio State program under Jim Trussell's watch that led to his resignation over Memorial Day weekend some, I guess, four or five months after uh, the suspension. So, 
I I ask you, do you think like as as you're playing this out in your head, do you come to an Urban Meyer just total on the field week one, or do you come to because it sounds like you are of the belief as you're continuing to simulate it in your mind that Urban Meyer is not going to be gone from Ohio State. So do you think that he starts week one or do you think that this ends with some kind of middle ground where he receives punishment for miss from, you know, not saying the right thing at media days? Like he'll admit to lying to the media, but he won't admit to allegations that he didn't do enough. Like that's why I think so. That's why it's important. And I'm not a contract lawyer. I'm not a labor lawyer. Like I, I, I haven't read Urban Meyer's contract, but it, as I understand it, if Ohio State were to fire Meyer without cause, it owes him something like thirty-eight million dollars. Correct. So that's why I come back to like if Urban Meyer is not willing to negotiate uh, a settlement and resign, and if they can't fire him with cause, then. I, like the reason Ohio State fired Jim Tressel wasn't because he lied to the NCAA. It was because they continued to find more information that that made Ohio State vulnerable to bigger NCAA issues that would have like Ohio State was looking out for the best interests of Ohio State. It wasn't that it didn't have loyalty to Jim Tressel, and it was it was willing to stand behind Jim Tressel until they realized like this was this is we're, we're going down a path that that we can't that we're not going to be able to recover from. So Ohio State, if they're looking out for the best centers of Ohio State and they can't find cause for a firing, then I'm not sure Ohio State's just going to pony up $38 million and go hire another coach. Correct. I agree so, with that. So like that's why I think, I don't know, maybe you can like, – and then but then part of me says like, all right, but if you are going to suspend him – then you're admitting that there was a mishandling of a domestic abuse situation. And it's almost like you have to say we take that this was mishandled and therefore he is gone or this was handled correctly. He is back in, in good standing as the head coach. You I know think, what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know how they just they, they, I don't know that how you can straddle that and, and play both sides of the fence. I think it's him lying to the media. I, th- I think okay. you, s- you say he handled That's it. That's the excuse. For, yeah, yeah. yeah, he handled it right. He should not have said what he said at Big Ten Media Days. That was not correct. I mean, we right. have seen uh, leaders of, we have seen politicians. Oh, yeah, I said that. Yeah, that was wrong. I misspoke. My bad. And then you just keep it moving. Yeah. It's funny because be like Urban Meyer, I mean, it, it, it seems it's not easy. But it seems obvious, like the way to handle a situation like Urban Meyer have faced with mid- Big Ten Media Days, is to to just t- hey, we're we're sorting through this, guys. I'm I'm learning about all this as you are. Um, I, you know, I'll, I'll comment on that as I get more information down the road. Whatever, like yeah. But then he can't help just, it. He can't help himself being like, and I don't know why anyone yeah. would write a report like, like that. That's all you gotta do is just don't say something <laughs> ridiculous like that. Yeah. And then like, that's going to be forever. Like a soundbite as- associated with urban Meyer is like, who makes up something like that on an incident that urban Meyer in retrospect knew about extensively. So, um, that's, so yeah, I mean, that's that, where that, I, that I, media I, day performance 
it was was not his best effort. Yeah, I I think that is like that's that's the place where I land, especially when you go back to um, my ultimate prediction that no one's going to be happy. Like I, I think you land at uh, Urban Meyer admits that he lied or or he even softens it up with like misspoke or I was wrong to do that. And he takes some sort of minor punishment and you're right. Maybe Gene Smith with this meeting with Zach Smith, you know, finds himself in as the one who has to fall on the sword here. And Gene Smith has not been without some criticism for his own job performance and where he stands with, you know, the university and the, his bosses. I do not know. I do not know the ins and outs of that relationship, but it's not going to be good for him. But as, as how about this? I'll put a, it seems that you and I both believe that urban Meyer, when, when this investigation is concluded, this will not, this investigation will not result in urban Meyer being dismissed or fired uh, as the Ohio state coach. Correct. So you, I, that's, that's where I'm leaning now, but did, I didn't realize that what you believe as well. I I'm, I'm my, if it were, if we're placing prop bets, my bet is on suspension four okay. games. Something like that. Where's where's the Penn State game? It'll be one game short of that. Right. All right. So here's the next question. Because hey, we may find out by tomorrow that Urban Meyer is back as the head coach, and this question, you know, falls into the the you know falls into eternity. And but our takes are timeless, Barton. Our takes (laughs) are gold and timeless. All right, give it to me. But so given that, let's say he's let's say he's he's let go or he resigns. What do you think that means for the future of the 2018 Ohio State Buckeyes? A team that has national title, college football playoff aspirations. Do you think that they are – do you think – like does your opinion on what they will accomplish change? Would you, would you alter your Big Ten projections or your college football playoff projections based on – and I don't even know if you have them in the playoffs or if you have them in the Big Ten, but – how does that impact this team in your opinion? Three points per game. I'm going to go with the, and, and I've got, that's a, that's a Westgate Superbook um, odds makers take on that. Urban Myers. That's, that's what they're like. That's what you're, that's what they're saying. I'm agreeing. Urban, yeah, that is what they're saying. And okay. I'm, I'm, I'm using that to start because I, I agree. I think Urban Myers were three points per game to the 2018 Ohio state Buckeyes and I think that the way that I played out the Buckeyes season, there are only one or two games that would be decided by three points per game or less. And I already had them losing one. So not much. I think the Ohio State Buckeyes led by Ryan Day. If Ryan Day is the interim coach for the entire 2018 season, I think Ohio State can still win the Big Ten. Now, does that mean that... Um, I'm not maybe, you know, when, when it comes time for those games that I'm not starting to feel a lot better about Michigan's chance to finally, uh, you know, end the losing streak. No, I, I think Michigan probably has a much better chance. You know, Penn State, I lean a lot harder Penn State, and I, I had Penn State winning that game already. Uh, did, the, you have, did you have Ohio State winning the East? Yeah, I had them winning the and, East and, at 11-1. So, and do one. You, so do you still – okay, all right, great. So you have them winning the East at 11-1. Does that mean you still have them winning the East at eleven and one? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, and and it's the Michigan game. I think I would flip, and then I think Big Ten championship game. 
I think if Ohio State goes up against Wisconsin again and Urban Meyer's not on the sideline, that might be enough for me to take Wisconsin. You know, it's yeah. it I just I really think that if I agree with the assessment that Urban Meyer is worth three points a game to the 2018 Ohio State Buckeyes. So then as I go back and I start circling the games that I think three points could end up being the difference between winner and loser, there's just not many of them. Uh, and, you know, maybe they're maybe they're 10 and two, but I still think the team is good enough. And I mean, this is a good opportunity for Ryan Day, right? If the, If this were, if he were to actually take the field this season. A young coach who's uh, sort of been passed along and moved his way up the ladder. Like this, I I don't think that this plays out the same way as it did for Luke Fickle. Yeah. So, all right. First of all, all right. You look at their schedule. Like Urban Meyer being gone has no impact on Oregon State, Rutgers, Tulane, Indiana, Minnesota, Purdue, probably Nebraska. Maryland, any of those games, right? And so basically what we're saying is if Urban Meyer is gone, then how does that impact Michigan at Michigan State, at Penn State, and TCU, right? right. So it's like four games. Right. So I, I, I think if you like Ohio – what I said, and I said this on the radio recently, like if you – if that line – if you have the over – and that line moves down. If it's what is it now? I think it's ten and a half. Is that right? Yeah, at least that's what it was prior to uh, or last prior, Thursday. Prior, yeah, right. So let's say the line moves down to ten. I think you throw throw a few sprinkle a little more on that t- on that over, right? Like just if you already like the over and you're going to get more value to it, you know, add add an, add another little chunk to it because to me. Like you said, I mean, yeah, okay. I don't think they're going to go from an 11-win team to a 9-win team. And in fact, I don't think it makes a whole lot of difference because I, got, I, I try to think back of where this a, a similar situation has occurred. And I don't know if you can think of others, but all right. So Arkansas, when Bobby Petrino was fired in like April because of the motorcycle, the motorcycle incident, uh, Arkansas hired John L. Smith as like a holdover coach, and that team went from eleven and two the year before to four and eight. Yeah, under John L. Smith. After Browse's situation, remember they hired Jim Grobe as sort of this outside grounding coach to just sort of keep the sh- keep the train on the tracks. They went from seven and six. The year before to ten and three, or I'm sorry, ten and three. The year before to seven and six. After though, I, I actually think the only the only comparison that actually makes sense, even though it's a it was a less volatile situation, is when Bob Stoops left and Lincoln Riley was promoted. Because Bob Stoops left in like June, Lincoln Riley's promoted to head coach, same staff, right? Which was a staff that had already accomplished a lot, and. Ryan Day is also the offensive coordinator. He's also an incredibly highly respected coach all over college football. And in the NFL, he turned down an NFL offensive coordinator job to stay at, at Ohio State. They were 11-2 last year uh, before Bob Stoops left. And then this 
or two years ago. And then this last year, they went to 12 and two with Lincoln Riley. So I think given that Kevin Wilson's on the staff, Greg Schiano's on the staff, and Larry Johnson's still the defensive line coach, and Alex Grinch is coming in as the co-defensive coordinator, like I don't, there's distractions there, but in terms of like what is going to happen in the meeting rooms from week to week, in terms of what the practices are going to look like and the intensity level and the preparation of everybody. I mean, Mickey Mariotti's still there, the strength coach. Like, I don't think this would have a major impact on the season. Now, that's not to say this won't have a major impact on the program because I think recruiting, there's few coaches in college football that have a bigger impact on their own recruiting classes than Urban Meyer does. But in terms of what happens on the field, like, I don't, I don't know how you sort of predict some bottom dropping out for this Ohio State team no no this and in and now as I've said it out loud doesn't it wouldn't it make uh wouldn't it be the ultimate asterisk not I mean not an asterisk but like what if what if Jim Harbaugh finally does get that Ohio State win but Urban's not on the sideline right (laughs) right yeah because then, yeah. then Michigan finally gets to cheer, like getting to beat the Buckeyes. But Ohio State fans are like, "Yeah, but Urban wasn't there." Well, what if Ur- what? I mean, how about the other side of it? I mean, what if Jim doesn't win? What if Harbaugh? What if Michigan doesn't beat Ohio State? Now it's like, all right, you lost four straight, and hey, it's okay. All right, I'm sorry, it's okay. But hey, if you lose three straight and they're close games, or two of the three are close games to one of the greatest coaches, college football coaches of all time. All right, Jim, like keep on scrapping, man. Like we'll get there. But if you lose number four and this one is to Ryan Day, like, <laughs> all right, now now this is heating up. Yeah. Man. I, I'm all right, so we're we're on the same page with this. Like Ohio State as a team in twenty eighteen should still be able to accomplish all of its goals, regardless of what is done at the head coach position. Yeah, the team that won a national championship with their third-string quarterback. I think they've got the talent and coaching staff in place to do this. There's not a coaching staff in all of college football better equipped for this situation than Ohio State's. Right? Like, is there one? No. This is a, not only is this a, an, an elite coaching staff with a bunch of former head coaches with a bunch of guys who could be defensive coordinators or whatever anywhere else, They've a lot of them have been there for several years. Like, it's not like you know, Alabama staff that just turned over half the group. Like this is a staff that's like even the, even the new receivers coach is Brian Hartline. Who's like been a fixture of that program for several years now as a, as an analyst or whatever his, his role has been. Uh, so yes, like this is, if anybody can absorb this, even though he's the, one of the greatest coaches of all time, it would be Ohio state. Mm. All right. As we pivot from Ohio state to uh, a, you know, we got we got to keep it balanced. We're going to go from a blue blood to a real up and coming program, the Alabama Crimson Tide. <laughs> right. Uh, this so Jalen Hurts. Uh, J- I let's just let, let's start with the quote. Jalen Hurts uh, said told ESPN's Alex Scarborough that he was shocked when Saban told reporters at SEC Media Days that he had quote no idea whether Hurts would be on the roster opening day. Of course, he's talking about Jalen Hurts uh, potential transfer rumors. I mean, this is a situation that is uncontrollable. Hurts said coaches can't control this situation. They dictate who plays, but as far as the other variations to it, they don't control it. Honestly. 
like I said, this whole spring, ever since the game, they kind of wanted to let it play, let it play out. And I guess, and I guess didn't think it was a thing to let it die down there. Like it wasn't something there, but that's always been the elephant in the room for me. No one came up to me the whole spring coaches included. No one asked me how I felt. No one asked me what was on my mind. No one asked me how I felt about the things that were going on. Nobody asked me what my future held. That's that. So now it's like when we try to handle the situation now for me, it's kind of late. It's too late. The narrative has already been created. Do you, I, do you know what this sounds like to me, Barton? This sounds like an NFL training camp, like a disgruntled quarterback in an NFL training camp. Yeah, well, I've, I've, my view on this is has shifted somewhat as I. So, first of all, this is awesome from a media pers- like side of things to hear Jalen Hurts have a very honest and thoughtful response to questions. Yeah. Like we always ask for that and I always will applaud it when it happens. So on that end, I am appreciative of this because here we are and then we're going to talk about it now. Um, And I'll also say this. In just that quote that you just read, because I saw that clip initially, just that quote, and as a former as a media guy, I love it, but as a former player, I'd, I'm sort of would be like, man, that's how you feel. All right, we'll, we'll talk to coach about it. You know, like don't like now. Okay, like this is this is going to be a thing now that we all got to deal with. And like, oh really, man? Like, are you like you're mad? No one talked to you this off season. Like, that's you're gonna tell them, all the media guys about it. Like, congratulations. You know, this is now we got that much more of a spotlight on us. The magnifying glass is that much more on you and Tua. And now the team's that much more divided, whatever. And so I would, I would have been probably frustrated, but then I sort of looked at the, the entire, like as is typically the case, like if you look at the entire interview and there, this was an interview with a bunch of reporters at media day with, with recorders in his face. And when you read just that portion of like, uh, you know, no one asked me what my future held, so that's it. Now it's now it's it's kind of late. It's too late. Well, the way I initially perceived that is, all right, he's saying it's too late now. You know, you can't don't don't come up and ask me how I feel now. This is, you know, this is the, this is the bed. Now we got to all sleep in it. What all he's talking about is like the over the course of that entire interview, he's basically talking about how. He has never been asked until now about things. He's Alabama has asked him to be quiet. He's not been out in the media talking about things, and so there. And so what he's talking about is the narrative that he might leave this this fall. Right. And what he's actually saying is what 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 this quote is supposed to say is that I never was going to leave. I got 15 credits credits till graduation. I'm gonna be here. Like right. I'm gonna be here for spring ball. I'm gonna be be here for for fall. I'm gonna be here this season. And then we'll see what happens after that. But I'm not going anywhere. Forget about what my dad said. Forget about what the media said. Forget about what Coach Saban said at the at the at SEC media days. I'm here, and I'm ready to compete. And so, I think it's good. It's going to be. That's a that's a vague enough comment to where people are going to take it as like, this kid is 
is suddenly a, uh, like creating drama about the quarterback position when what he's really trying to say is, look, there's all these stories out there. There's this narrative out there that I'm not trying to be here for my teammates, that I'm just here, you know, that, that my time at Alabama is dependent on whether or not I win this job. This is a battle. I'm ready for it, but I'm not going anywhere. So I think if you really take the comment within the context of everything else he was saying, it makes a ton of sense. And it continues to make me really like Jalen Hurts as a as a kid, and I think he's a really mature kid. And yet, here we go. You know, this is ding, ding, ding. Like the, you know, the Alabama quarterback battle weekly updates. Shoot, forget that. Daily, hourly updates. Let's go. Well, are, I, are, but I mean, this is off. why I said uh, disgruntled player at an NFL training camp because sometimes in the NFL training camps and and within the NFL we get the the players and coaches sending messages through the media to each other. Right. And, right. and that's, yeah. that's kind of where I was seeing it, where uh, I was asked on a, a radio interview is like, so does this mean he's gone? I said, no, he's definitely not leaving at least not before he finishes his undergraduate degree. Like this, right. this is him uh, probably, you know, whether he's meaning to or not, you know, this is him sharing his side of it, which is like, guys, like, you know, whether it is a message to Saban specifically or the media in general, it's just him saying like, you guys are the ones that are creating all this talk. I hope that through what I have done here, like he, he talked about his brand and he hopes that he's a star. And he, and what has he done? He's 26 and two as a starter. He had 17 touchdowns, one interception last year. He was the sec offensive player of the year as a freshman. He has created a brand for himself and he has uh, established himself to the point within and like insert all of the, Alabama as an NFL team jokes that you want both like illicit or whatever, but like the, he has established himself as a pro on in a locker room of future pros. And so it just wasn't surprising that, you know, he's, he is not going to be backed into the corner of, he's not going to be backed in the corner of yes or no, sir, uh, being subservient to the brand when he understands the leverage that he has in this situation. You're absolutely right. I think he's. I mean, it's a, yeah. Like he's a he's a, he's an adult yeah, at this point. Like he's he an kind of came he came to Alabama as an adult. Like that was he was one of the when I when I was getting all the interviews about what do you think of Jalen Hurts or can Jalen Hurts? You know, I, I, what I always said was, look, man, this kid when we're there at the Elite Eleven, and as a rising senior, like this kid was all business. Like he was mature because of that. I think he's got the you know the mental emotional foundation to to be really successful as a starting quarterback at a really young age and now here he is and and this is two years later and he's even more mature and i think that that is a great comparison like he sounds like an nfl quarterback talking about look man you guys are going to put the mics in my face okay here's what i'm thinking um and you know I, i i don't know why there's been this narrative created when i'm right here and i'm and i'm not going anywhere and i'm not said a thing like so and, and, and to clarify, too, just so that everyone's aware, because this is not as heavily publicized, I'm not, I'm not seeing this other places when, when you're seeing these, these pull-out quotes from his interview, but he says, like, I'll, I'll read this quote. He says, um, you know, let's see, where did he say? Uh, well, that got, uh, sorry, now, now I lost my spot here. He said, I was kind of shocked that he said that, talking about Saban, talking about he doesn't know if he'll be here come first game of the season. 
But me coming at him and trying to see what, what was going on and all that then, I told him and I told him that I'd be here. It was never a decision that needed to be made in regards to me leaving. That was something that the kind of general media placed on me, something I never said. So with that, I told him, I said, I told you already I'd be here. I'm about to graduate in January, so why leave? Even when I'm not in the situation where I think I should be, I'm here. Why do that when you're 15 credits, 15 hours away from graduating? So he said, like, that's, like, that's the headline. Jalen Hurts is here. Right, we could stop that conversation now. Like, Jalen Hurts is going to be on this team this fall. He said it. So, yeah. so next time someone asks me that question, I can just be like, well, like it's, not, it's not my opinion. Like, the kid has said it. He is going to be on this team in the fall. And, and what happens after that? Like, I can make predictions on that. I, think, I still think two will be the starter, and I think Jalen will be on in January. But he'll be gone after having a successful season playing whatever role Nick Saban has for him, if that's the starter or if that's the backup. Like, I have confidence that Jalen Hurts is going to be a good soldier regardless of what that role is. And then where he goes from there will be what's best for him. Come on, Nick. Hey, come on, coach. You know if I leave, how bad things are going to get. One to a twisted ankle and you're done. <laughs> like, think about the leverage in that situation. Yeah. Now, Mac Jones sort of outplayed him in the spring game, but the – but. Are you the, are the you, 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 is, you standing with Mac Jones? No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I want Jalen Hurts in there. Yeah, absolutely would want Jalen Hurts in there. That's yeah. uh I, I I was glad I was glad to uh to hear that you've landed on that too, but man, the uh that's I I I came away from this just like mmm yeah. I mean Jay, yeah, Jay, you you said it right. Jalen's an adult. He's he's not afraid to speak his mind on this. And yeah. uh and and if y'all if if you thought that you were going to get um some if this is this is like part of a new and I'm sure it's going to creep up in our podcast all the time. I'm I am a little bit interested with how players are going to con- re- continue to recognize their ability to uh vocalize themselves and their opinions and and take more of a stand than what I guess the traditional or the traditionalist might want from a college football player right but not everyone has the leverage to do this right you're right i mean jalen hurts is in a unique situation where baker mayfield was in a unique situation like yeah yeah there's only very few you're right it's very afforded to very few players yeah yeah i mean that look in the nfl you got you, you know those guys are getting paid more than the coaches are so they've you know they're that the team is very invested in those guys and they can be adults and they can say what they want to say and they can, you know, the team, you know, the, if they're getting their money and, and then whereas in college, look, man, you're, you're still, you're just a kid banking on a scholarship. And, but this is a unique situation where Jalen hurts is sort of has the flexibility and the leverage to, and I, again, I don't think anything he said is out of line. I don't think any of you said anything he said when you take it in context hurts the team or anything like that. But he's, you know, he does, he can say what he thinks at this point because, man, he's a he's earned it. He's he's been a good warrior for two years, twenty six to two, and B they those, they freaking need him. Yeah. And whether he's starting or not, they need him. Alabama, uh, poll talk, poll talk, poll talk. Gotta love a coach's poll. 
Um, Alabama. Our num- first, our first poll Hold of on, the season, on, right? Yes. Exciting. So exciting. Alabama, number one. Uh, no big surprise there. Clemson, two. Ohio State, three. Georgia, four. Oklahoma, number five. Uh, as as we looked at the the coaches poll as a whole, you know we've we have filled out our own ballots for the CBS Sports 130 that will be coming out later this week. We have spent most of the last month discussing our over unders and how these teams stack up against each other. As as we looked at the uh, as we looked at the coaches poll, um, where where were some of the the places where you looked at a team and you're like, huh? So the coaches think they're there, huh? Well, I think my what maybe my biggest huh takeaway was what Alabama got like I think 61 first place votes and Clemson got what like 4 or something like that. Like you see Cle- I I mean I I've got Clemson as my number 1. Right. I got there is there that much of a discrepancy in among I guess this ultimately is, you know, SIDs beat more than more so than coaches probably, but Hey, 92, a, 92% of our candid coaches survey did name Alabama as the best team for 2018. Yeah, that surprised me. I wonder, I don't know if that's lazy or if that's if, or if we're wrong, but to me, I would have I would have Clemson first. I mean, that, they were first in my CBS poll that we that we get, you know. Oh, really? Handed in. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I hope that they Clemson ends up being number 1. Do you know what the difference is in traffic if we're going against the grain here? <laughs> Did you have the number one? I had him number one. Yeah, I mean, so that's two of the like twelve votes right there. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, and, and at the very least, like I mean, I think it's it's very defensible to have Alabama number one. I don't, I won't argue with anyone that does, but I'd be, I'm just surprised that it's that much of a much of a uh, you know uh, difference. I mean, that's a big, that's a big, that's a big difference. I, uh, I, I, I start this to say, I understand like one of the, you know, theories that I often preach is that in my book, um, the, the difference between like 15, 16 and 17, and even the number 30 to 35 team in the country might not be that much. And especially with zero on the field data to be able to take from this, it, it gets very difficult. But that was where I found uh, some 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 things that had me wrinkle my brow a little bit. Uh, number one, there is like TCU being 16, and I know you're big on TCU, but this is a TCU team that Vegas has set the over under at seven and a half. Coaches obviously higher on Gary Patterson, more in line with Barton's thinking. But we got TCU at 16, West Virginia at 20. Texas at 21, Oklahoma State just inside the rankings at 25. That is a lot of respect for the Big 12 from the rest of the coaching community. And that was, you know, I I don't think in my top 25 I have West Virginia, Texas, or Oklahoma State in my top 25. I don't think I do either. I mean, I, you're right. I, that was that was. I mean, I, like I said, TCU. It doesn't surprise me, but maybe that's just because I'm. Uh, you know, I'm overly high on them, but seven and five but teams yeah. or eight and four teams don't finish number 16 in the country. Right. But what was West Virginia last year? I mean, to that point too, like that's, they were what, seven and five, two or something like that. I mean, they, they're West to have West Virginia, their 20th, Oklahoma state 25th, Texas at 21st. Like that's a, those are three teams that could easily be outside the, the top 25 
you know, three weeks into the season. Yeah, I was, um, I was about to say, like, real quick. <laughs> yeah, so that was, yeah, I agree. That, that was, but I mean, I, and at the same time, like, I'm not going to sit here and say that's wrong because I don't, I, I've, I've said it before and I'm going to say it again. Like, that's not a conference I'm going to predict. I don't know what's going to happen in the Big 12. That's a, that is, that is mayhem in the Big 12. Like, I don't, I don't want to touch that. So I'm not going to say it's wrong. It's just a little surprising. I'll say this too, like, one of our biggest, when we were down in Fort Lauderdale and all the, the CBSSports.com team was down there, one of probably the most often discussed teams was Michigan. Would you agree? Yes, absolutely. So, so Michigan for, at 14th is pretty low to me. Now, there's people in our group, Cough, Cough, Barrett Salee, who thinks that's probably – maybe even high. Um, but I, like, I don't, I think Michigan's fascinating. Like it's a, this is a fascinating team. That's why Michigan Notre Dame is a te- is the game I'm most interested in in week one, even beyond Auburn Washington, because like, I think there's a, we can, we're going to learn a lot about which, what those two teams are, but Michigan, I think there's, you could make a case and there's going to be some like Ohio state and big 10 fans that will kill me by, for saying this, but I think you can make a case that Michigan could be as high as like fourth. Right. Well, how about this? In the national championship odds, Michigan's like the fifth or sixth name on the board. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I and I want to be clear too, like this is not some pushing all my chips forward on Shea Patterson. Because I was, I think I'd be saying this if Shea Patterson never transferred to Michigan. Because I've always felt that Brandon that Peters I, is the yeah, one. Yeah, look, yeah, Brandon <laughs> Peters can play. Yes. And and this was the year Michigan was supposed to be good, and now Michigan is this year has come, and Michigan why can't Michigan be good? Like that's my argument. Defense is great. Offensive line, maybe we can get an OLI expert to come in and, and give us their thoughts on what how good this offensive line can be. But the run game should be okay. And if a quarterback is improved, which Brandon Peters would be, and you expect Shea Patterson to be, and you got. Uh, you know, uh, Tariq Black on the outside and Donovan Peoples-Jones on the outside and they had a loaded wide receiving core in 2017's recruiting class that is now ready to step into some bigger roles. I just think they're, they ha- they have, they've recruited well enough to where this year could be a breakthrough year. And so, and I'm not saying I expected them to be up there at fifth, but 14th is a lot. Like I would think you know, 14 was behind range. Michigan State. Right. You know, and that's the other thing. They're fourth in the Big Ten East at 14th. Fifth in the Big Ten as a total. Yeah, so Ohio State's at three. Wisconsin's at seven. Penn State at nine. Michigan State at 12. Michigan at 14. So, there. I mean, that's – that to me, and that's also – that's a lot, of, a lot of coaches or a lot of voters having a lot of confidence in Trace McSorley to – you know, to mask all those losses that Penn State felt this year. So um, it's interesting, man. Like it's that's a it's it's at the very least it's interesting to know where our opinions are sort of con- contradictory to you know the national consensus. You uh, do you know what I'm not willing to rule out? What? First of all, I have heard that coaches for I have heard I have heard that coaches. While the SID joke is 100% on the 
on the on the money, especially like weeks two or even week one through fourteen, I have heard that coaches will participate more on a higher percentage with the first and the last. I think those okay. get I think those get published too. So yep. they, they really are putting their name by it. And Makes I am sense. I am not willing to rule out that some coaches just don't like Jim Harbaugh. Uh yeah, I could I could I could probably believe that. I could I am not willing to rule out the idea that when it came time for splitting hairs between like you know, a Mark D'Antonio, a David Shaw, and a Mark Richt, the Jim Harbaugh ended up losing that in a lot of coaches' ballots. Yeah, I could, I could believe that. But and and there's also just the argument that look, man, that that just it's a that's a representation of that Big Ten East. Like that is truly a conference where you kind of are splitting hairs. There's going to be between those four teams, the Big Ten East. There's going to be. Four what I don't know what what is I don't know how the math comes out on how many games four teams play against each other, but those are all going to be really close games where a a, uh, a first down marker here or a you know a drop pass there. I mean that, that they're going to be inches that separate those wins. So it's like all right, man. I mean, yeah, I guess if Michigan comes out fourth in that, like that's believable. Right. But it's also believable that they would win that division too. Isn't it nine? Is it nine games? Is that it? Fourteen. Four, four, four team. times three times two times one. Is that how you do that? I was just gonna say. No, I was saying, no that's not. That's not how you do it. Uh, <laughs> oh no, it's not nine. It. it doesn't come out to be nine. It's got to be an even number. Oh man, I have no idea, man. We're failing. I mean, you, you got you got us into this rabbit hole. I was just gonna let it go, and now you're gonna expose my horrible math. <laughs> I thought that uh, speaking of hor- quest- funny math, I thought Virginia Tech at seventeen. Um, and Florida State at 19 were both a little bit of just sort of riding the coattails of, you know, great program, high expectations. I think that arguing for either as a top 20 program, it's a little bit early to do that. But uh, you know what that does do is, boy, that's good to have two nationally ranked teams for that Monday night game. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, but I, I don't think either one of those are top 20 teams yet. Not willing to say that. Um. So one team that wasn't in the top twenty-five, North Carolina. Uh, have you seen the news that's broken as we've been on this podcast recording on what is today Monday, August sixth? Yes. You have seen it. Yes. Thirteen players will be suspended for the opener, including starting quarterback Chasserat. Yes. <laughs> They'll be suspended for four games. I mean, that's a. That's a brutal first four game stretch too. They got to win some of those. Did you see that they have to stagger the suspensions because so many of the players are at the same position? No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So basically if if they did it the way, you know, typically when you have these, you know, incidents of violation uh, that could impact your eligibility, it is you know, every everyone's gonna miss the first two games, and you and I were talking about it. it's like, oh man, and you know, those are the some of the most important games of the season. Well, they have so many players that are catching suspensions that they some players are gonna suit up week one and then be suspended games two, three, and four. That's that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> this is this was quite the widespread 
um, gear pedaling operation they had going on. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine players will sit out four games. Uh, two more players will sit out two games and two more players will sit out one. So it's 13 players and the depth is particularly impacted in the defensive backfield linebackers and offensive line. Oh man, that's not a great spot to be de- to be down defensive line, offensive line. Um, so I guess if the, if you're just like throwing a, throwing a workout shirt on eBay, you know, maybe you just get one game, but if you're out there, if you're out there marketing the, the jump mans, the Jordans, the kicks, those will get you four games maybe. That's uh hey, I'm sure they got a good a good price point for a few of those. Well, unfortunately that good price point is what got them the four game suspension because this comes down to dollar values. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. No, the, if who, whoever just got the one game, so one game suspension was backup quarterback, Jack Davidson and offensive lineman, Jonah Melton. So I'm guessing they sold the sandals, right? Like they just, they, they just got some sandals for 65 bucks or something like that. No, um, I mean, defensive end Malik Carney, that's, that's one of the better defensive line players. I'd put him behind Jalen Dalton, but he's still important. Uh, Malik Robinson is a linebacker and certainly Chaz one of the expected um, starters. I mean, this is this is not good. No bueno. This could, this could be yeah yeah. This is this is gonna be another ugly year for UNC. It's, I didn't. I wasn't super. I wasn't super like optimistic about UNC to, to begin with. So I'm not letting this totally cloud my judgment. But this doesn't help a team that I didn't have a lot of faith in. Otherwise, how about uh, language in Larry Fedora's contract that adjusts his buyout? based on whether or not an athletic football facility is built by either August or September 1st, that has not been built yet. Wow. So that means the buyout's bigger, huh? It means it's easier for him to get out of his contract. Easy for him to get out? Yes. Shoot, where he's gonna, where's he going to go? I don't know, man. But could be, could, be, could be one of those years where you just step out, you know? Yeah, I'm not sure who's hiring Larry Fedora right now, though. If, if that's that's a step, that's a lateral step or a step up. Oh, I mean, but that's but isn't it? Uh, I don't know. We 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 don't need to get into the deep dive on that. But that's <laughs> that that's like uh, the you know just just getting out of town. Like, when was it? Was it uh, Tommy Tuberville that left Texas Tech for Cincinnati? Yeah, that's that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. And where it was like he wasn't necessarily going to get fired at Texas Tech, but the trajectory wasn't pointing in the right direction. Right. And he let's made go it. Jump, let's go jump on that East Carolina job down the road. Dude, or just Tulane. Yeah. Like after <laughs> Willie Fritz gets a new job and all of a sudden, uh, you know, it always has been my dream to be in New Orleans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get back to Texas. Let's see. Yeah, yeah who knows? But um, yeah, you're right. 13... 13 North Carolina football players being suspended for NCAA violations is not the way that you hit the over on five for your win total. No, no, no. That's trouble. I mean, Carney will sit against ECU, UCF, Pittsburgh, and Virginia Tech, while Fox will sit against Miami, Syracuse, Virginia, and Georgia Tech. Like, we're, this will be continuing to impact the team six weeks into the season. Right. 
Yeah, it's uh, yeah. So like those, not only are those first four games critical to this team's success, but like we're not even done after those four games. Mm. Like we're still, still, we're still getting body blows at that point. Mm. Good luck, Tar Heels. We'll see how this goes. Uh, he is Barton Simmons. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Make sure that you're always subscribed to the podcast. That's going to be the way you're going to get them first. Uh, we're going to be. We've got so the, the next month, man. We're excited about it. So make sure that you subscribe. We got some special shows with some unique focus so we can uh, really dig into the sport in a way that nobody else in this space is. So you want to be on. You want to make sure that you don't miss it. Um, All right, Barton. Thank you very much. Yeah, man. 